Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Nicole. And I'm Robin. And welcome to our very first part two of an episode on the exact same book. Uh, There was just so much uh, stuff in Battle Royale that we wanted to talk about, uh, Battle Royale by Koshun Takami, that we are talking about it again, Um, but about different characters this time. So in case you missed part one, uh, you can technically listen to these in either order because we're not really spoiling the plot and we're talking about completely different characters in each episode but i do recommend going back to part one because um you know i like things being in order but you live your life however you want (laughs) uh so so that you can really listen in either order, here we have the description from the publisher. Koshin Takami's notorious high-octane thriller is based on an irresistible premise. A class of 42 junior high school students are taken to a deserted island where, as part of a ruthless authoritarian program, they are electronically collared, provided with weapons of varying potency, and set out onto the island. If they are in the wrong part of the island at the wrong time, their collars will explode. If they, began, if they band together to save themselves, a collar will explode at random. If they try to escape the island, they will be blown up. Their only chance for survival lies in killing their classmates. As I said last time, I don't remember the thing about a collar exploding at random, but you know what? Possible I missed it. On I, to our first... I don't or- remember it happening. I remember it being threatened, and I'm pretty sure it was ah. just a... <laughs> a <psych laughs> you never know. Let's give us license to do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, could be wrong. It's a very long, very complicated book, but yeah, um, I, I think it was just a an extra motivator. Yep. Oh, it's definitely if it was present, it was a motivator. I'm just surprised it's in the synopsis. All right, so oh, that's fair. Yeah. So for yeah, because generally things in, are in the synopsis aren't things where I'm like, is that in there? <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> I'm not sure. Is the book uh, trying to gaslight we, me? No, it's not. Yeah. So our part one, we talked more about some very particular characters and what very particularly happens to them. This one, we're talking about, um, well, one of our topics is more of kind of like a a thing that happens to a lot of characters, but we have one character that it happened to a whole lot. So we're focusing on her. And then we have... Um, we also get the most examples of it from her, to be yes, fair. Yes, yes. The most particulars and things. And then our first one that we're going to talk about is one that we're talking about because he's the only one that it happens to. And part of the point is that the others didn't need it to do what they did. Just, you know, I think of both of these as being really important for the world building of the book. 
Um, which is kind of how I approached wanting to put these together in the same episode. So our first topic is Kazuo and brain damage. So this is a book where a bunch of teens are put together and told that they have to kill all their classmates in order to live. (laughs) And only one of them canonically has physical brain damage to mean that it's literally a flip of the coin as to whether he goes along with this. And I think it's really important for the book that, like, explicitly only one person is the kind of probably a sociopath who would just do this. And I say probably I, I a sociopath. I think we should give a little the context. book calls yeah. him a sociopath. Yeah. Um, so... The, the context, the justification in the book for this is that he had received brain damage that precisely targeted uh, his conscience, ability to feel emotion, um, mm-hmm. both at the same time, and nothing else. <laughs> it did not hurt him in any other way. It just sniped out the thing that means that he cares about consequences more than just what will they do for him? Part um, of it is is that he had he had a car accident, and in order to make him not die from the car accident, he ended up with a partial lobotomy. And that oh is yeah, that's what, right. That's so right. like there is a in universe justification for how yeah. specifically the target was. It's yeah, this is fair. the bit that was physically damaged. They had to part at least partially take Excise. it out. Yeah, and so he um, doesn't have that bit anymore. So he he canonically, when Robin says he makes uh, decisions by a coin flip, what he does is just take out the emotional factor and say, well, okay, okay, if logically, if I don't really care what the outcome is, then how do I make a decision? <laughs> you know, I'm not just going to sit here and I'm not just going to like walk a straight path. And if I veer left, keep going. Like I want more direction than that, even if I don't really care what happens so he is he has devised the coin flip as a way of getting around decision paralysis from apathy (laughs) yep um almost (laughs) exactly and so what he does is he he flips a coin and that he just the coin flip decides that he is participating and not trying to escape those are the two parameters he set himself for that flip so that's why we are phrasing his um injury in this way yeah, also, it was a literal coin flip. Like, yeah, like an actual quarter? Uh, I mean, I'm tr- I don't remember. The I think they, Japanese. I don't remember was, if they actually named a coin or not. It was, I mean, yeah, it, he, he flipped whatever his local currency is. Yeah. Like, he's not <laughs> in the US, so it wasn't a quarter. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah. I don't think they actually named a coin. Nah, he flipped a coin that he had or whatever. He, he flipped something that had that arbitrary decision making capacity. Um, or decision aiding capacity, rather. Direction aiming capacity. Yeah. 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 Um I I it, it's one of these things where whenever you have a book where the protagonists where the line between protagonist and antagonist ends up feeling like well, how many people did they kill and did I like them better than their victims? Um, that's the kind of book that this is. And so from a world building perspective, I, 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 this I, kind I, of, I, I think this fits in I think the I read general. Books differently than you. I think this fits in the general category of what to me, like, this isn't the only people get told that they have to kill a bunch of people. This is one of the, earlier genre defining ones and i am glad that something that is so defining for this subgenre has um a bunch of explicit diversity in like backgrounds and what kinds of characters um like in a bu- on a bunch of different axes as much as is as possible given the setting and I I like that it isn't everyone who was in this classroom already was mentally damaged in a way that meant that they just did this. I like that it's not that, <laughs> but yeah. neither is it 
oh my goodness, even a squeaky clean never did anything wrong, can da da da, and they were all squeaky clean or whatever. Right. No, there's only like, one or two of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's only a couple of those. Like, there's only one or two of each, like, general category. Yeah. Of I, I was level just thinking, of, I don't think I ever, yeah. I've never read a book and said, well, one of these is the antagonist because I like them less. Like, that's just not how my brain I, I mean, it's, it's not really for me. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to do a lot more to... I, I will quit books if the prospective character is one where I keep disagreeing with them. Really? <laughs> I will because it just gets too stressful. Because if I read the book and I'm like, well... That doesn't make any sense, and I don't like that you did that. Just over and over and over, that just gets really stressful. Um, especially if it, there's only one perspective in the book. It it takes a lot for me to like a book that has that. Like, if I can't understand why someone in that situation would do that, or if I'm just like, well, I, I would have noped out at stage one. <laughs> it it yeah it it depends i try not to quit books often for that but that is one of the reasons that i will stop reading books gotcha. i would have read a book with him as the only narrator um because he's interesting mm -hmm. okay like right. i i think i think i would have depending on how it was written i didn't mean that like like you know i i like anti-heroes <laughs> I, I don't Doctor like who. looked at yeah yeah like Doctor Who I don't like looked at all of the evidence and made the decision that makes no sense except that the plot had to go in this direction. This is I, why you like Bones and not other detective shows. Got it? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I didn't like the show after a certain point, but yes, right. this is why I liked <laughs> the early seasons of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyways, back to the book. Back to this particular book that we're discussing. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that in this book where, okay, I, th I think I figured out, apologies for the circuitousness. I think I figured out how to phrase what I particularly like about it. It's that it actually feels like a random selection of kids whose only thing in common is that they are this agent in this class. It genuinely feels like a real cross section of kids in a society. and. Part of that is that some of them already have brain damage and some of them, most of them don't. Like, that someone already has a thing that messed with them. And, you know, both of the people we're going to talk about in this episode, that they already had stuff that happened and that this isn't the first really bad thing that's happened to them. From a world building perspective, to me, that's part of what makes this feel like an actual random group of kids. Like an arbit, not random, but arbitrary group of kids. Um, it could have been any group. It <laughs> a non-homogenous selection one. of children. <laughs> yeah, non-homogenous for whatever ability to have a cross-section. You know, not literally aiming for a cross-section, because that would have been too perfect, too. But like, yeah, no, it makes sense. It works. Um, I've gone on for a bit. Did you have particular thoughts about him? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, okay. So so with the the way that this, a couple of things that we wanted to cover with this character. Um, first one being that as far as the the reader perspective and the uh, the the experience of reading this book this character does a very good job at balancing the narrative in two ways one some people on the island are legitimately very good at being ruthless killers and this is an example of one of those where we don't have to see this like struggle back and forth between oh no i don't want to kill my friends and well i don't want to die <laughs> you know uh, Kazuo just has made the decision and moves on. And so it, it lets us really like experience this, this spectrum between completely complete refusal and just, okay, sure. All right. We're in it. <laughs> I don't see a way out. <laughs> Time to commit. Um, 
And and from a from a reader perspective, it's it actually, in my opinion, is is less frustrating to read because you've got a mm-hmm. character who's just decided what they're doing. And so you you kind of have this like we we have we're following our main characters who are we're not talking about today but we we do follow like quite a, a large portion of the book where we are watching them panic <laughs> and we are watching them like actually talk about and think about the danger that they're in and be upset and frustrated and angry and sad and scared and you see them run this huge emotional gambit and if the entire book was characters doing that this would be an incredibly stressful read. And to be clear, I think it still is for some people, but... But it'd be I emotionally think, exhausting. It, yeah, it'd be emotionally exhausting. It'd be like, okay, like, <laughs> this is not... I don't mean this literally, but, you know, either shut up and kill or shut up and die already. Like, we're done. We can't do anymore. You need to get with your emotions and, like, make a decision, you know. But we, we don't have that book. And I think that Kazu is one of the characters that gives us that balance where... You know, we have some characters who just literally just lay down to die. That does, in fact, happen. Mm-hmm. But Kazuo is our opposite end of the spectrum, where he is just going around sniping people, and um, and so it it gives us an emotional break as well as a narrative break from following our our protags around. And um, also in terms of pacing, it means mm-hmm. that we because. We know why Kazuo is doing this. It's because he flipped a coin and this is what happened. It means <laughs> that we don't have to spend we don't have to quite justify as many, him. Right. Yeah. We don't have to spend as many chapters with him from his perspective in order to understand why he would do this. Like the second yeah. character we're gonna talk about in this episode. We spend we a, lot a lot of more background on her time with. Yeah. Because like it's convoluted and part of the point is that it's convoluted and that a lot of things happened to her. For him, pretty simple. He had a car accident, he had a um lobotomy, and he flipped a coin. And yeah. we get his and, background and here in we are. a paragraph and a half, and then we can yep. move on. <laughs> um so the the other thing that we had we had wanted to really highlight in this section is that um and Robin's Robin started to at, at at the beginning of the discussion is that this is not a book that justifies the violence by characterization. And what I mean by that <laughs> is this book does not say this person was born to murder and this person will never be anything. And so they died. And this person was from a a higher caste. So they were sought out as a target. And this person is from a lower caste of society. So they were, you know, they're the secret underground mole, but they're shot because it's their job to just lay down and and die. Like they didn't do that. And, uh, Caswell was one of the characters that makes that possible because he's not the only one. He's not the only one going around intentionally trying to kill people. He may be better at it than some other people because he's not, like, one, worried about what he's doing, and two, panicking, and three, like, sitting down and having to emotionally recover after hurting somebody. Like, that doesn't happen to him. You can just move on and, like, just make a decision and go. Um, So he's got a little bit less of, like, a lag time, hang-up emotional processing thing that other people do. Mm -hmm. But it's not that he's a born or you know, car accident created killer. And so he just is the only one killing people. He's not, he's just bet. He's just a little bit better at it than some other people, but everybody is either in on the murder or trying to run away. And yeah, cause I say, there's also like a, a world, like, you know, I, I care very much about the world building that this does. If, if you needed a Kazuo for this to happen, then only, classes that happened to be picked that happened to have kids with brain damage would have the murder thing happened and then this decades old murder program wouldn't be a thing but <laughs> you, or or it would just be a slaughter most of the time and not an actual yeah game? or yeah yeah eh, they're they're gathering data it's Nicole. a game for the people running it for sure yeah i um, think they're betting on it yeah right yeah. um but yeah but 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 uh, if we had just a bunch of characters who were all reluctant killers, 
or if we had a bunch of characters who were just ah it is my time to murder (laughs) like this book would feel a lot more one-dimensional and the story would be less about the individuals and it would be more about the like the things that are happening but this book is very much about the character's experience of this thing it's not about the murder (laughs) it's about Mm -hmm. the individual ways that characters respond to the situations they're in and sometimes those situations are oh no they have a knife and sometimes those situations are i don't want to die and i'm out of water and i have a fever and i'm hiding under a bush and i don't know what's going to happen next so I, I think that having the inclusion of a character who just does not care really lets us go the other direction as far as creating a, a very rich story in a way that, you know, again, kind of gives an emotional break. <laughs> it, it, okay, mm-hmm. this is maybe just a me experience, but because I also don't really spend a lot of time contemplating emotion, uh, not for the same reason, Um <laughs> But for me, it's almost it's almost an emotional break to go from these characters who are like, oh, God, I don't want to die. And I'm sitting here thinking about how I don't have enough things to trap the area. And this character who's like, ah, target. OK, set up. Bam. Done. <laughs> like much simpler, much cleaner, but not in a way that means like the book needs to simplify. But, you know, we, we have more options in our narrative and it really helps push. I think it really helps push the perspective of what's happening off of the death and yeah. onto the the individuals who are in this situation and i think without the character of kazuo i don't think it would have happened as well yeah and you know uh as you know you know i also don't spend a ton of time on emotion stuff and so yes for me as well he's an emotional break but i think i i suspect that at least some of our audience they're like what the heck, what do you mean someone who's just like, I'll just do a murder? What do you mean that's an emotional break? The most important <laughs> thing is it's a different emotional cadence and level Yeah, I mean, from you the could rest argue of the text. That the, you could so argue we, that the, our main character sitting around a fire talking about how they could die is also an emotional break from just seeing death. Right. It, it probably goes I, both ways. Yeah. I, I think the layers of it are what make it a good kind of back and forth. So you're not just sitting with one thing in the situation for a long time. Right. I think that more important than like whether he is his is the emotional break or the standout emotional stressful bit, depending on your rate of it. The point is that, yes, it's a different flavor. It's a different level. It counterbalances. It changes the emotional mix in the book. And yeah, so- absolutely. Yeah, and so you and I are like, oh my god, they're just talking about how stressed they are about dying. See, I actually, um, this that doesn't bother me in this book, but yeah. I have attempted to read some books where it's just them going, oh no, what if it happens? Oh no, a, a bush. And I'm like, stop. I'm like, did, did it happen? <laughs> like, did something actually happen? Yeah, do you what have are a plan for what you're here? doing next? Yes? No? No? Okay, figure it out. Yes? All right, then. It's out of your control. Put it to the side. And yeah, the characters no. don't do that most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, is... most people don't either, to be fair. Yeah. But <laughs> from a reader experience, for me, yeah, I'm just like, just, just pick your plan already. Yeah, and like, we might be kind of weird readers, because we're also the kind of people who were like, you know what? Let's do a podcast where we talk about trauma and books. <laughs> So, you know, we're already like a particular kind of reader, but regardless of whether Kazuo is the break or the others are the break from Kazuo, the point is that it's it's different in this really good way in terms of balancing the book. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to talk about Mitsuko. On to Mitsuko and sexual abuse. Um, that's why this is topic two. Uh, so we're going to talk, I think, mainly about Mitsuko because we have the most detail about what happened to her. But the text makes it clear that she is not the only one, especially not the only girl who has been sexually abused. And 
there are times where there are discussions of rape wielded as a weapon against characters who are not depicted. Um, we briefly mentioned that more um, in our part one, but we just want, I just wanted to acknowledge that she isn't the only one. She is our focal point because we have the most detail, but as part of like the world of the book, it it is a, an exploitative fascist murder hellscape that sees um it that sexual abuse is just one of the kinds of power that gets wielded against people in this setting yeah so her background is that um her mother was paid by a group of men um to be able to gang rape Mitsuko. And then when she tried to tell a teacher that this had happened to her, the teacher raped her. And then this is all when she was a, a pretty young kid. And then now that she is a slightly older kid, <laughs> still a child, yeah. like she's at most 15. Like I think like she's somewhere between 13 and 15, as we discussed, like for the approximate age of the characters. In our last episode, we had more of a back and forth on that. But somewhere between ages 13 and 15, and uh, for where how old she is when this book happens. And by this point, she has been, um, uh, she and her friends have been prostituting themselves and doing, like, doing sex work. And she was and prostituting them. That's important. Yes, yes, that she's the one who came up with this as a thing. And then in the actual, um, in the Battle Royale on the island, she uses her body and uses sex to try and gain an advantage and to play two different people against each other. In what is tactically pretty clever yeah <laughs> like she does a very you know, good job in that scene yeah like and i i tactically, like yeah no tactically uh, sound in terms of like well uh here's what you're gonna do and that was the time to do that if this was a thing you were fine doing um yeah what were your specific thoughts on this if any so um I think, okay, so with the abuse that she's uh, received in the past, we see some pretty clear, a pretty clear line of thought <laughs> from this happened to me and when I tried to go for help, it got worse to, okay, well, if I take control and do it myself put myself in those situations on purpose then at least i have some control over the situation we see her kind of remember back along that thought process not quite that explicitly but that's that's, that's at least the close. implication that i got from it mm -hmm. and then go okay well Right now, I'm on an island where it was done to me. I was put in this situation by somebody else and I have no control. If I then decide to kill, I am taking back control. So at least I'll have some control in the situation. And we, we see this like <laughs> very direct. It's not even it's not even I want to live <laughs> like that's that's not even where she's at. It's I don't want to lose my agency, even though it was kind of already taken from me. Um. I, but I want to I want to kind of grab some of it back if I can by just going along with what's happening and and saying that it's fine. Um, and I, I I think see this is what I'm talking about with part one with like different different characters have like this this but this book is not about the death. <laughs> this book is about different characters and how they respond to different situations. And this is one of those where we see a character who goes, you know, I I don't have anything else this is what I have left. I can't leave. I can't, you know, just sit down and wait to die. That's not the plan. What I, what I want back is control. 
and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go out hunting. Yeah, and like there in there's different phases, kind of like yeah. Earlier in the book, she is very much hunting. Yeah, would be the appropriate term for what she's doing, <laughs> and then later on, she ends up kind of teaming up with a couple of guys and there she um let's see even even that she, is one of those it's a kind of it's team the same up, kind of it's not a, it's not really a team up it's happens. a it's an exploitation it's a mm-hmm. okay well we're all pitted against each other in this moment if they're gonna try to kill me unless i take control of the situation and As she say, does using again sex and murder. <laughs> yeah, say so it's a team up kind of from it, their. It's not perspective. a team up from her perspective at all. It's a oh no, it's a it's a ambush. It's a wait. She's holding out. Yeah, and like I, so so say I like don't have it. Let it be clear because like this isn't a thing that we've ended up talking about really much at all on the podcast. Uh, like, I don't have a negative opinion of sex work. Like, that's oh, not like... no, we haven't really talked about that. Yeah, no, we we have. That's not a thing that's come up much. Um, partly because it just doesn't tend to be the kind of book that we, ta- we talk about. And, um, you know, to that, for me, like... And I think also in the framing of the book, like, it doesn't, you know, it's it's not trying to have a particular stance work stance on sex work as a thing what it is clearly discussing or clearly like implying is like that like the problem isn't that a sex work the problem is that she is a child like that is the problem like that is that she had she was abused and the ways in which she's trying to take control involve further exploitation and that she said well if my options are say yes and do it or say no and have it happen anyway i'm gonna say yes so that i got to pick yeah um at least it's my choice then right and like yeah like you were saying like it's definitely trying to take control in a situation with no control and all the like the past stuff that happened to her um is kind of like her mulling it over like her she is drawing most of the explicit connections between this abuse in her past and the decisions that she's making in the present like we're not just saying oh it seems like those have something to do with each other <laughs> no she like, a- the- she's actively dwelling on the parallel um yeah well, She's in like, her case, it's not parallel. It's it's happening to me again. But you know, literary, lit, uh, literary, why right, it's literary parallel. parallels? Yeah, and uh, like the, the the discussion with how um she then got her friends to do sex work that comes up in the context of them not wanting to team up with her because they know that her idea of a team up in the past <laughs> was let's all get sexually exploited together. Yeah. She um, was really kind of abandoned by the people she had controlled before. Uh, yeah. Cause they already know what she's like in a situation where the stakes were lower than this. Yeah. And they didn't want yeah. to be around her again. And you know what? For them, that was a good call. Uh, <laughs> it seems like, yeah, no, they they made the right decision as far as survival goes there. Um, yeah, and and yeah. we we don't just get that happening from her perspective before we even have anything from her perspective at all. We have, I think, two or three of the girls that were in her group. We get their POV, and they all go, "Oh, it's it's Mitsu, it's um, it's Mitsuko." Oh no, I'm gonna go the other way. <laughs> yep. And then even someone who, like, wasn't in her group, um, but has an encounter with her early yeah. on. Like, that's Same the first vers- yeah, time. Yeah, that's the third one, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the times that we see her. Um, not gonna spoil that one. But, yeah. Um, and, and So, like, one of the things that we try to look at 
for the main topics are like, how much is the reader supposed to care about this trauma? And it, she's not the, like I said, like she's not the only character who has been sexually abused. Like, even if you set aside the characters who did sex work with her previously, um, even if you ignore them, she's still not the only one who has a past of sexual abuse in the book. And I, it, it's used to, to create a picture of like, this is an exploitative system that doesn't take care of the people within it. And one of the ways in which it doesn't take care of them is in practice, few protections for child victims of sexual abuse. And also that they uh, think that making classmates murder each other is a good idea. Like, <laughs> it seems like it's part and of this. that, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's part of this broad picture of even if you're not in the murder classroom, you're probably not safe. It's, and I, I think in terms of the world building, that seems important because it's not like this is, I don't know, like, I don't know if, Nicole, if you've read the short story, The Ones Who Walk Away from Amelis. Um, it's, you know, perfect city, everything's totally perfect. The only thing is that there's this kid who has a terrible life in a basement. And when you find out that that's what's happening, you can either stay or you can and know that the price of your awesome life is this very bad thing happening, or you can leave. You just have to leave the city and not have this perfect life anymore. Um, and I think if it weren't for things like the background of what happened to Matsuko, you could have the feeling of, oh, this is a fascist regime where everything's totally cool, except for the bit where you might end up in a murder island in between ages 13 and 15. But if you survive that, everything's fine. And stuff like Mitsuko's background and a couple of the other people yeah, make it you super get no duper illusions as a reader. Right. It makes it really, really clear that that's not what's happening. Um, and maybe it wouldn't have occurred to anyone of like, but is this an okay thing and a price for the stuff? But like, you know, it it makes it really, really obvious that that's not this setup um and i like that as a thing that it's set up that way so uh one more thing that we have to talk about i think it's just one more uh okay so we we also this is still the same topic but one one slight more aspect we want to touch on a little bit more than we have already so uh another form of another facet <laughs> of Mitsuko's bid for control over her life comes in the form of prostituting her friends ostensibly with their consent from what she thinks she thinks that they signed up and she's the one in charge um, or that's the way it's framed from her perspective but we do get kind of flashes from some of the other girls and you know they were manipulated and pushed and bribed and um you know kind of bullied into being in her inner circle and then her inner circle was bullied into um into going and having sex with men for her mm -hmm. like being in her inner circle was desirable but the price of that inner circle yeah, yeah. Was, was this yeah. Yeah. And it's it's the 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 picture that I got reading the book was that she feels like this is a very, you know, of course this is the next step. You know, first it happens to me and then it's my choice and now it's my choice for other people. <laughs> uh and that's not a direct quote, but that is the the framing that I got reading it. Mhm. Mm um but you know, on 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 this island, 
a, a consequence, a price of that is that she's alone. <laughs> like none of her friends, friends, none of her, her victims trust her or want her to be there. And none of them are trying to hunt her down either. They just want mm-hmm. nothing to do with her. They don't want to be in the same quadrant as her. Um, and, you know, it's this very, like, like we, we really see them process and go from, I was part of her circle to not again, not explicitly, but a couple of them kind of have this journey from, Oh, it's Mitsuko. Oh no, I don't want to do that again. And they leave. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know, for all, (sighs) if this were not a murder Island, they would have run the gambit from that was my friend. I was a victim. (laughs) They just don't have quite have time to get there. Yeah, and also I was just thinking, you know, previously her idea was let's all get a new group and you all sleep with everyone. Yeah. Um, and so they, it it doesn't, it's not this explicit in the text, mm-hmm. but to me the natural implication would be, oh yeah, let's all get together in a group. Uh, you protect me. Oops, we're the last ones. I'm <laughs> going to kill you all. Like, yeah, yeah, which is a thought process that several people outside of that dynamic have had. Yes. But yeah, no, absolutely. She already has the reputation and the history of of manipulating already, her so-called friends into being the fall for her. Yeah, she already has this pattern. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to think of it and to end up there. But, you know, it's not surprising at all that she her victims don't want to be around her again. Um, now that the power dynamics that were keeping them around her are shattered irreparably. <laughs> like, no yeah. matter what happens, they're not going to have to worry about popularity within the class or within the school in the same way if they live. They're just not. And I do want to note, and this may come up if I can talk about it without spoilers in our wrap-up, or I'll just justify it now. One of the two. Um but I actually think there's a little bit of a level of care given to her, to her exploitation of those people mm-hmm. because the one thing that does not, okay, two things that don't happen with this dynamic that could have very explicitly. One, somebody is hellbent on revenge because she was hurting them even before they got to the island. Right. That doesn't happen. Thing. And doing that would have centered her treatment of them much more solidly and made it less about her reactions or her, I'm sorry, her actions and more about her victim's pain. That would have maybe been a little bit less, um, uh, a little bit less protected from, from a, a reader perspective. And two, the other thing we don't see is someone who says, Oh, well, Mitsuka was hurting me before. She's going to hurt everybody else in the situation. I should toady to her and gain her favor here. And we don't see anybody like fawning over her and trying to put themselves in that victim position again in in the same way that they would have been before. That also doesn't happen. And so I, I honestly think there's an argument to be made for care here <laughs> because the way the dynamic is set up, it's, very brutal and very painful and and manipulative and exploitive. But nobody is hunting her down like in pain and nobody is putting themselves back in that position. So much so that when we were putting together the notes for this, I had to like consult one of the wikis about the book to (laughs) confirm when Nicole was like, and she trafficked her friends. And I was like, wait she what it's like she had them do sex work and <laughs> yeah. i'm like she she did what i had forgotten because you know there was a lot going on in the book yeah. um and yeah the f- level of emphasis in the narration is ha- there's a lot of care and part of that is that it doesn't yeah it doesn't well and it doesn't have either of the two setups that nicole just listed as potential um yeah i definitely agree with you for that so, hey, y'all now have a hint of our care rating for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking on it um, as far as being mm-hmm. like that far down. I was thinking more of it as Robin didn't think of it because it's a very long, very complex book. Um, but no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. That's a that's a good that's a good point. 
Yeah. Like, because I remembered a bunch of the specifics about what had happened to her. Um, but the way in which the other characters don't want to be around her didn't quite require that detail in the explanation. Yeah, it wasn't necessary, but it's it yeah. is there. Yeah, it's it's there, but I don't think all of them brought it up explicitly when they were saying why they no, didn't want to be them, around her. Some of them thought it about themselves. Some of them thought it about the other people. Some of you know, mm-hmm. she kind of dwells on it for an instant, like you know, I even had to do this, and then it's over. You know, yeah. And also, um, before we exit this topic, I do think it's important that they per- <sighs> like one of the things I keep thinking about is like this book is from the 90s and so there's a lot of things where if I say oh you know it's important that this book shows that someone just because someone was a victim doesn't stop them from then victimizing other people in a similar manner and people now in the 2020s might be like right so we what's know. the rest of that thought? What's and I'm like, right, but please understand that that wasn't <laughs> quite as mainstream of a thought, and specifically um, in the U.S. because this book was published yeah. in Japan. But even like but, th- this, you know, book from from our culture wide, this is important, <laughs> right? This is really important, and I don't. I mean, I don't have any reason to think that this book was part of like getting that thought into the U.S. But I think it's important that it was available for readers that like two decades ago um before this framing was more mainstream in the u.s um you know this wasn't originally for readers in the u.s like like this is a we're reading a translation um it was originally in japanese but yeah like i i do think it's important that it doesn't have her as either victim or perpetrator she's both and there's no contradiction there she just is both and in a way that makes sense without having been deterministic yeah Um, absolutely and i for a book in which a bunch of teenagers are told that they have to murder each other and then a bunch of them do there's a lot of nuance there's so much nuance in how um, most of the topics in this book are handled, including sexual abuse as a topic. Man, that movie was excellent. It really was. Totally blew my expectations away. I know, right? Now I really want to tell everyone about it. But I'm not sure how. Yeah. If only there was a podcast dedicated to reviewing films and discussing the latest news and trailers on upcoming films. That would be nice. Yes, for sure. And we can call it The Senegai Show. (laughs) What? No. It will be called Real Movie Critic Unleashed. Uh, No. How about Senegai featuring Real Movie Critic? Uh, how about the Real Movie Critic and his sidekick? The Senegai. CG and RMC. RMC and CG. The Real Movie Critic versus The Senegai. Only at CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're going down, critic. Bring it on, guy. On to the wrap-up and ratings for our second episode discussing Battle Royale by Koshun Takami. And for our gratuity rating for Brain Damage. Um, I think, okay, so I think this is actually pretty mild. Yeah. We just kind of find out, had had car accident, had injury, done. Nope, I I agree. Um, For the sexual abuse, I think, yeah, I was going to say minimum moderate, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm good with saying severe. Yeah. Yeah, especially with a thing towards later in the book. Yeah, for sure. mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, some of its backstory, a bunch is severe. Then for the integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant for the brain damage. Um, I think that's interchangeable. Yeah, I I think it is useful and important to the plot and the world building that a character like this is in the book. I mean, you could wasn't... have had you could have had him be a conscripted child spy who underwent a lot of training to be oh. able to kill already. Like, there's no, other no things that could substitute for sure. That's why I said, you know, um, uh, yeah. Good I'm just for making an argument to... for yeah. the record. <laughs> yeah, good and useful for a character like this yeah. in a very general way to be in the book. But this wasn't the only way to get there. Um, and it could have been a substantially similar book with a you know very different angle on this character in the mix. Yeah. Yep. Interchangeable for sure. Uh, the sexual abuse. I, um, I think that as a general thing, not limited to this character, I actually think that sexual abuse is integral to the plot. It's. Oh, I, I think that I was going to the- say irrelevant. <laughs> You're going to say irrelevant? Yeah, I don't think it actually Um, matters to the plot. I think it is context, and it's a particular character motivator, but it didn't... There's mm. no reason... It's not plot furthering, because, like, we've got a lot of other characters that are also killing people. Like, you know? Like, I think it's just kind of there. It's not just kind of there. That's not true. But I think it is irrelevant. Okay, so the reason that I was thinking that it might be integral is the way that it's wielded as a threat but i guess you're right there's there's so many threats have to be a threat they were already under guard like (laughs) that's true all right okay we have the explicit what if it wasn't there already which is just death for the other people who aren't under that threat like that's true they're still out Uh, of the picture there's no real difference there and it's not really interchangeable because yeah (laughs) no you're right it It could have been locked in a closet (laughs) like yeah. Okay. All right. I guess you're right. It is irrelevant. Um, it's very, it's very integral to the character, but not to the plot. <laughs> not of the of the whole book. Yeah. Ah, oh, dang. Um. <laughs> Rough. All right. No, I. You've talked me around. Um. All right. Was the trauma treated with care for the brain damage? Okay, I'm just gonna um, straight up say yes and yes, or or yeah. yes and enough. <laughs> yeah i'm um, i'm good with i'm actually good with saying yes for both of them um i'm gonna i'm gonna say enough because yeah. we do actually have a lot more detail for the sexual abuse okay um so but yes we have for- we have the greatest amount of care that could physically have been taken and have it still be enough of the detail for us to know what it is yeah um and I made a point in context where there are so many other things that would have been so much worse, and this is the care version of them. But it still mm-hmm. may not be just a yes for you know some for someone who that's stressful to read. So um, this is definitely both of these are definitely a your mileage may vary book, but this is a group murder book. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just. If you're reading this book, you're signing up for a lot of trauma of varying types from varying reasons and contexts. And even and within that, there's care. Yeah. yeah, even within that, there's care. That is very true. There's just a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't surprise you with it partway through or something. No, 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 no. They start out being told. Yeah. You're on, a, you're on a murder happen. island sexual abuse has already happened to someone you know mm-hmm. and also here's a dead body of a person you also knew that's the intro yep like yeah. and then the rest proceeds yeah yeah all right Being that explicit in case somebody's like well if it's you know not that much no it's it's a lot <laughs> yeah it's a lot and it's early yeah then um how clear is the moral directionality pretty clear um, well, it, you could make a slight argument for Muddy with the whole like, well, we have we, everybody had contraband CDs and then someone making the point of like, well, yeah, because they know that you'll buy them and then you're not doing other things. Now, but, like, now this is interesting. Because that's still laid for, out very in a clear line. <laughs> sure. Be- now, this is interesting because for part one, we said Muddy, but maybe part two is going to have a different rating. 
And I do agree with you <laughs> that for these two topics, it's yeah. pretty clear. I, I, I th- <laughs> That's true. You know, we did say that. I, yeah. I think, I okay, here's my argument for the entire book. Okay. I think if, I think the more you think about, the clearer it is. Uh-huh. I think the more invested in individual people surviving, the muddier it is. Ooh, I like it. So in our specific person topic, it was our specific person episode, you said muddy. And then for our general topic episode, you said clear. Yeah, I like it. I I do agree with you. (laughs) I don't even remember if I said that out loud last time. But yeah, because I think I think the more invested you are in the character and the more willing you are to buy into their reasoning the muddier mm-hmm. it is but if you pull back and look at it and say okay but what is the book telling me outside of an individual like does that individual win uh-huh. is that individual consistent in their morality well yeah um this is interesting because yeah i had because we knew we were going to have a gap between when we recorded part one and when we recorded part two i i recorded what we said for the moral directionality because that's generally a book-wide rating Mm -hmm. um and yeah for the first one we said muddy and now you're like oh obviously it's clear and i'm like wait hang on you're the one who said (laughs) obviously it was muddy no i think it's both Um, (laughs) yeah no i i think it really depends on how you're reading the book and i don't think that that's a i don't think that's the book's fault i think that's maybe intentional Um, yeah i would i mean it's got a child murder island premise there's gonna be um it's gonna be complicated here's here's my specific argument without spoilers as much as i can sure if you look at the book and you say is the fascist government good and right as the government is arguing it is yes or no what does the book say? oh it's not it's not the book says says no and the book says this is bad and terrible and nobody likes living this way is mm-hmm. Child Murder Island inevitable, as the book states? Yes or no? Inevitable? Yeah. No, they could have just not done this. Yeah, they could have just not done this. And characters make that point. Yeah, yeah. Is killing your classmates on the island where if you don't, you're all gonna die by remote anyway, a viable solution to the problem as presented in the book? Yes or no? For... Oh, one of you. Uh-huh. Maybe. Uh-huh. For an individual person. If you're an individual in that situation, and it's going to maybe be a hard question. If you're an individual yeah. in that situation, what does the book present as options in this murder island that you Basically have actual choices options. to make? Not not narrative outcomes. Your choices. What are your three options? I mean, do nothing, die anyway. Um kill your classmates or hope that other people kill enough of them so you don't have to kill very many like those are okay, really two of those are still kill though that's just one solution oh uh, try to escape there you go yeah solution one try to get off the island as best you can solution two kill solution three intentionally set yourself up to die whether that's just doing nothing or if it's actual suicide or if it's um just wandering aimlessly or you know try like doesn't really matter kill escape die Okay. You've been told you can't escape, whether or not you believe it. And you might die anyway. <laughs> They're going to die anyway. Killing in that situation is not like a a a non-viable option. But the book presents it as whatever your objective is decides whether or not that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the point no, where I-, I think it becomes muddy. I think I think you can take point for point, you know, Does the book tell you sexual... Okay, from the book's perspective, sexual abuse is good and fine and the right of the state. Clear, tangled, muddy. Is it clear and consistent? Yes or no? It is clear that that's bad. No. It's clear that that's what everybody thinks is fine. I think... No, I'm not saying they're correct, but I'm saying the book is consistent. I think we're getting way too much in the weeds... Okay, I'm this. just making an, I'm just trying to make examples. We could do like 30 of these for different plot I, points. But my yeah. the, the only the only one of these that is muddy and not clear depends on your objective. If your objective yeah. is to survive, then the book says, "Yeah, 
you're right. Go kill your classmates. If I, your objective is to not do that, then the book says, yeah, you're right. It's better to die yourself. <laughs> well, I, I like, think the way there's so many different viable objectives, I think that means it's muddy. Like, I understand. But the book in general, point. I think, is clear. And I think it's this I, one point, but I think it's clear for every person. I think that it's, I think that the only conflation here <laughs> is does your, does your out, does your goal like negate everybody else's and is that fine? <laughs> that's the only thing. Well, so that's I, I, I hold to what I said this- last time for sure. Um, I, I think that if you're, if we're talking about our characters who are, 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 um, our topics were self-isolation and loss of control. Yeah, right. I think it's pretty muddy. If we're talking about brain damage and sexual abuse. Oh, no, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, nope, I I'm, think that makes sense. Yeah. No, nope, I'm, I'm and good I don't think this that. is And I don't think this is, like, being us being inconsistent either. Which is the thing that I said five minutes ago. I know. I'm just... I want to make my point, though. I want to make it... Okay. Like, I don't want us to just say, oh, yeah, it's fine that we did this twice. Like no, I want to. I want to have an argument for it. I want it to be. I want there to be evidence. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm a bit like I already agreed with you. What's happening? But no, okay, this is not right. for you. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, all right. This is for okay. anybody listening who's like, what? Nope. <laughs> Why um, would they do this? I'm ready for the point of view. Yes. There's a lot. Well, of we already them. said this. There's a lot There's of people. A, and of a lot of people. That's and a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, people might it's listen to this one first. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of, yep. Um, for the trope spotter, <laughs> I got us a different trope for our shiny different episode. Um, gotta kill them all. Um, which what did we have last term- time? Uh, something that wasn't that. Um, okay, I don't remember. I mean, I want people to be able to yeah, not yeah, yeah, have yeah. this one spoil that whole one. It was a different one that was particular for, uh, related to one of the characters, I think. Um, but yeah, this one is gotta kill them all. They're told that they got to kill everybody. Uh, and that's the trope that there's some situation where there has to be a bunch of murder. Um, yeah, it's uh, got to catch them all, but with a twist, a murder twist. Yep. All right. What is your favorite non-traumatic book thing about the book? Did I even have a non-traumatic one last time? I I accidentally didn't. I don't remember if you did. <laughs> okay i make no promises on this one because this book is just almost all trauma and i don't want to say the same thing twice and i don't want to risk it so yeah uh my favorite non-traumatic thing for this particular episode uh (laughs) i like the mental image that the off-limit zones is just like a giant battleship game that the island runners are playing. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you have somebody who is not a part of tracking the children's movements and is trying to sink as many ships as possible, uh-huh. you're choosing your, ice, your, your off-limit zones with that in mind. And then the kids are warned and they can move on whatever. Yeah, I, it's not what's actually happening. It's a funny mental image, kind of. So, in order to have a non-traumatic thing, you had to pick a thing that isn't technically in the book. You know what? That tracks. Uh huh. Um, yeah. No, book. but I just, I just had the when I was reading it, I had the mental image of like E six. Okay, we'll find out in six hours if that's a miss or not. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of my favorite non-traumatic things are. Things that happened like right before a character died. Um, <laughs> uh, oh no, no, I've got one that I don't think was. I don't think okay. uh, maybe I said this last time. We'll find out. Um, yeah, I love the disparity of the packs, the ration packs that they're given because they're all given mm-hmm. the same food and the same water and the same like watch and whatever and a map and a compass and you know whatever. Uh, but then some people have a gun <laughs> and bullets. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then somebody has a um, uh, a like boomerang, a which is also a weapon, boomerang. but it is yeah. you know not does not have a sight on it. And then other people have like a paring knife, <laughs> yep. like yep. all right, good, great. 
No, but I, I, I like it. I think it's very funny in a abstract way and um okay just the all right. randomness of the disparity is amazing also related to the early setup um it is one of my favorite like weird coincidental narrative thingies where it's like all right author of course this is the class where this happens the one that the book happens to be about what a coincidence wait, wait. um okay is the fact that they for the order in which the kids leave the classroom at the start of the book, um, they draw, like, because in this um, uh, setting, all the kids have, like, numbers, like, you know, male student number one, female student number one. and mm-hmm. So they all have a number. Um, and so they draw number, they draw a number to decide who is going to leave first and then everyone else leaves in order by number. And it happens to be number one is picked. And so they just leave in numerical order from from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's like, okay, sure. And like, there's a comment from um, a student who has reason to be aware of what happened in another class that, you know, it, he says what number was picked first for that other class. And it was something in the 20s. And I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> but the book the is about... the world building, the book's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 totally. Yes, this is really random. And a number, a different number could have left first. But in this one, the one that is the topic of the book, kid number one leaves first. And I'm like, I see you. Right. Um, That's not actually random. The least um, amount of effort required for the reader to track who is who. Right, exactly. Um, anyway, I, I appreciated that because it just, you know, little things where it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We've totally promised that this would have definitely have been random. And it randomly was number one, which, you know, in real randomness can happen. But the, the author picking what number to start with isn't real randomness, and it, it just amused me. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, that's it for our second and final episode discussing Battle Royale. That's the end of this two-parter. And we will catch you later for our next episode on a different book. Or if you listen to this and haven't gone back to part one, Go back to part one. It's a totally different discussion about different things about this, um, like, genre-defining, very cool book. So, catch you later. Bye. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. You can find her on Twitter at MamaDragon20 or on TikTok at MamaDragons underscore Den. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View network of podcasts. Check out all the Certain POV shows at www.certainpov.com. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash books that burn. If you can't wait for the next episode and need even more book related content in your life, check out our book review blog reviews that burn subscribe to the fortnightly newsletter or follow us on the story graph you can contact us by email at books that burn at yahoo.com and find all our links contact info and social media on our card books that burn.carrd.co don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and remember some books burn you